Welcome to California Highways Route by Route. This podcast explores everything about the numbered highways in California, from Route 1 along the coast to US 395 along the Sierras, from Route 8 in the south to Route 139 in the north. Brought to you by the California Highways webpage in Gribble Nation. I'm Daniel Fagan. I maintain the California Highways page at www.cahighways.org. I'm Tom Fear. I'm one of the four admins on Gribble Nation. I'm the one usually posting in the southwest corner of the country, specifically California, uh, as of late. A lot of Arizona stuff. This is episode 1.12, the organizations of state highways. So far this season, it's been like the planning and environmental phase of highway construction. We've been establishing the background you need for our future episodes. As noted in the last episode, our first six episodes explored the history of the state highway system, how we got the routes we have today. It provided the context for future discussions of legislative routes, state signed routes, and current routes. It defined the major eras of the state highway system, the initial road construction boom, U.S. highways, the birth of freeways and expressways, the interstate era, and the maintenance and recession era. Our second group of four episodes was focused on highway numbering, but we had a few detours along the way. We learned about how California assigned numbers and their patterns. We learned about the California post mile system. We learned about how U.S. highway numbers are assigned and managed. We learned about interstates, how they are numbered, chargeable versus non-chargeable mileage, the history of the system in California. We learned about the county signed route system. Our most recent episode explored how highways are named, We also had lots of interesting interviews with folks knowledgeable in these areas. If you missed any of these episodes, we encourage you to go visit our back catalog. You can find previous episodes at caroutebyroute.org. They're also available at anchor.fm slash caroutebyroute. Yes, Spotify renamed itself Spotify for Podcasters, but that link still works. You should also be able to find them in your favorite podcatching application. This episode brings our first season to a close. Our last episode will explore the agencies we've been talking about, such as the California Transportation Commission, Caltrans, the regional transportation planning agencies, AASHTO. We'll look into at their history and their role in California highways today. Let's start with the California Transportation Commission. This was established back in 1895, so it's a really old organization, as the California Highway Commission. It has jurisdiction and authority over all state highways. It had the responsibility to determine the routing of state highways, to designate and determine the location of connecting state highways, either through or around municipalities that would be of greatest benefit to through traffic, and to determine when connecting portions with respect to all state highways, the natural course of which runs or passes through any municipality. Boy, that's wording that doesn't mean much. What do you think it means, Tom? Oh, boy. That's a mouthful. She'll determine the connecting portions with respect to all state highways. Maybe just finding, like, the naturally best alignment for a routing. Yeah, or maybe. Terrain, urban areas. Especially through terrain back then, because, like, you didn't really have state maintenance until 1933 in the cities. Yeah, and I I see the which runs or passes through any municipality. And it's the connecting portion. So maybe this is how it connects two routes that go through cities. That's got to be it. Because usually, like, 
for a lot of the older cities, the through routes are pretty intuitive, especially the further back in time you go and the smaller the cities were. So there's only like one or main, one or two main roads that go through like a city, especially in the early 20th century. Yeah. They started work with the Lake Tahoe Wagon Road, US 50, which was the first state highway, and allocated funding for grading and paving the state highways. Now, the California Transportation Commission itself was created in 1978, and it merged this highway commission with the State Transportation Board, the Aeronautics Board, and the Toll Bridge Authority to effectively bring most, but not all, transportation together in the state. It broadened the scope of highways to all transportation in the state, as I just noted, to include transit, bus and light rail, most railroads. And I'm going to say most railroads because I really don't think the California Transportation Commission has full authority over freight railroad transportation. I think that's still governed by a separate agency. I believe that's correct. And I believe they're mostly self-governed, especially the bigger freight lines. Yeah. Um, Toll bridges and what is now called active transportation, which is a fancy word for people who walk or ride their bikes. It consists of 11 voting commissioners and two non-voting ex-officio members. Nine are appointed by the governor. One is appointed by the Senate Rules Committee. One is appointed by the Speaker of the Assembly. And there are ex-officio non-voting members appointed by the State Senate and State Assembly. And I seem to recall there are some bills, I forget whether they passed or they're currently in process, that you actually have to have some transportation expertise. Otherwise, I'd say maybe someone should petition the governor to put either Tom or I on the Transportation Commission. (laughs) Yeah, I am definitely not an engineer. I know plenty, and we're not the ones who'd be on this kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, either that or we would know how to do budgets and money. Yeah, that'd probably be the closest analog, I think, that would fit what we do for a living. Yeah. Continue with the California Transportation Commission. They are responsible for all transportation planning in the state programs and allocates federal and state funds for construction of highway, passenger rail, transit, bicycle, pedestrian, aeronautic, and environmental hazmat mitigation improvements throughout California. Okay, and so let's clarify for those who don't do government speak. When they say they program funds, that means they are saying, here's where we want to spend the money. And then the allocation is, and here's how much money is being spent. So programming is that fancy word in government speak for planning. So in a way for, I think, for most normal people who aren't into highways even can understand this. Like when you see somebody like on Facebook blaming Caltrans for not building road fast enough, where you really want to dig into is how has the CTC funded, allocated funding? It's not necessarily Caltrans deciding that. It's the California Transportation Commission. That's right. The, I, I go through the minutes of the Transportation Commission, and you'll see we don't have the funding for this. We only have the funding for the planning and environmental phase, and we're still working on getting the funding to actually turn a shovel. And so they may do all of the planning work, and then it grinds to a halt while they try and get more money because the feds or the state didn't allocate budget for this. So it's a big multi-step process. And there are, in this whole programming and allocation, differences in what those who work in the government call the color of money. And by the color of money, what that means is there are particular funds, and the funds can be used for particular purposes. And if that fund is out of money, 
you can't take money from another fund and use it. So there might be a surplus of money, say, in the funds to route passenger rail. Well, that can't be used for highways because it's a different color of money. And that's the same thing with money that's allocated in the shop, STIP, and all these other transportation programs that are out there. Each has their own set of funds. And recently, we've seen things like funds allocated under COVID relief programs that were able to be used or funds allocated under SB1, all different colors of money. Continuing on, ADOPT's estimates of funding expected to be available for various transportation programs, ADOPT guidelines for development of CTC-administered programs, as well as state and regional transportation plans, advises and assists the California Transportation Agency and the legislature in formulating and evaluating state policies and plans for transportation issues in California, actively participates in the initiation and development of state and federal legislation in matters concerning transportation issues in California. Any of those other bullets you want to um, expound upon? I, I think, like, uh, kind of hitting on that point that we were just making, this is really where, if you're a casual observer to infrastructure in any way, especially with roads, this is really where you want to drill. And it's not exclusive to California. You can go to any state, and you're going to find something similar with how state funding is distributed through, like, any transportation program. Uh, I remember it was kind of similar in Arizona when I lived there, too. You kind of had to pay attention to kind of like how the – I forget what the, Cal- what the Arizona Highway Commission is called nowadays, but it's basically the same process. And I think it's important to note it's not Caltrans that develops legislation. It is the Transportation Commission that actually develops the legislation and participates in it. So that when we talk about who's going to do legislation to say relinquish a set of roads, either that's being initiated by a legislator or it's coming through Caltrans to get something done. Or not through Caltrans, excuse me, through the uh, Transportation Commission. Now, some selected highway-related specific activities that the Transportation Commission does includes um, assisting Caltrans and the legislature in doing policy, They adopt the five-year fund estimate for the STIP, which is the State Transportation Improvement Program, and the SHOP, which is the State Highway Operations and Protection Programs. And one of these is basically a longer-range major project. That's the STIP. And the SHOP is where a lot of your maintenance stuff gets done and where things are actually coordinated and tracked for funding. So they adopt that. It's a biennial five-year plan, so they update it every two years and amend it. There's a biennial four-year shop, and they amend it as appropriate, and there are plans from different years, and if you read their minutes, you'll see this being done, or if you read what I post on the highway page, this will make sense. They establish the reporting requirements related to funding that city and counties get. They allocate the state funds for capital projects consistent with the stip and shop, which means that if they want to exceed what they program, what they said they want to spend, then they have to do an amendment to the stip or shop to change it. This is government, lots of process. They allocate funds for the Caltrans support cost related to the shop. They adopt guidelines, programming projects related to other programs like SB1, the local partnership program, solutions for congested corridors, which tends to often have a lot of rail stuff, and trade corridor enhancement program which is where you'll see the major trade lines done. So some of the I-5 stuff is under there. Some of the Route 710 stuff is under there. And a fair amount of um, 
rail stuff is under there. They approve project proposals for high occupancy toll lanes or other toll facilities, and they're the ones that approve the right-of-way matters, be that route adoption, be that route relinquishment, which is when they give the route back to some other state organization, city or county. Public road connections, if you want to do a connection to a state highway, it has to be approved, especially if it's a freeway. Or vacation, which is they just abandon that small parcel. And a lot of the relinquishments are often what are called um, collateral things. So you might have a strip of land that Caltrans purchased on the side of the freeway to stage construction equipment. When the freeway's finished, they don't need it. Now they relinquish that back to the city. So if you look at my pages, you'll see a lot of references to what's being done in the STIP and the shop. And in general, anything funded has to be allocated. There are a few exceptions. I think it's G12 or something like that, where if there's an emergency, like I was reading today, there was just a sinkhole on Route 1 in the Monterey County area closing the road. Well, the repairs to that, they're not going to wait for the next commission meeting to fund the project. They're going to fix it and say, under our emergency authority, we took funds to fix it and now go back and amend the shop to approve these. Continuing on, what does it mean for highways? They adopt all the routes, they allocate all the funds, they approved and accept environmental documents, they deal with cost overruns and allocate additional funding. So what doesn't the CTC do? They don't engineer design the highways. They do not research and write environmental reports and do not do public outreach. They do not manage acquisition and construction of highways. They do not manage the maintenance of highways. Short suite. Caltrans recommends, CTC approves, and then Caltrans ends up building. And that's an important thing to remember. Caltrans is the engineering arm at this point. They're the ones who manage the engineering of the routes. They're the ones who do the public outreach on the routes. They do all the scientific and reporting required for the environmental stuff, and they manage the process. The CTC, they're the pocketbook. They're the ones who allocate the funds for Caltrans to do the work. More information regarding the California Transportation Commission can be found at catc.ca.gov. One of the things I often do from that website, that's where I go and get the minutes, and you can go into the minutes, and then they link the PDF of all the background material for each agenda item out on that website. Now, another group whose minutes I follow that occasionally deal with highways is the California Coastal Commission. They have quasi-judicial control of land and public access along the state's 1,100 miles of coastline, and they approve any project in the coastal zone. So that means any bridge being built on Route 1, um, for example, anything that is within I forget how many feet it is, of the coastline, needs to have approval. Now, normally this is things, people building houses and stuff like that, but you'll see approval for bridges on Route 1 or US 101, construction along coastal routes. They're very involved with the last chance grade. They're very involved with that. And very often they will impose a lot of mitigating conditions for the work being done regarding ensuring wetlands or water flow or things like that. I want to say they were involved with the Pfeiffer Canyon bridge collapse on one in Big Sur. Yeah, they've been involved with a lot of things. I keep uh, looking for them to talk about the summer camp I went to as a kid 
which is basically PCH and Yerba Buena Road, and they actually have a bridge under one to the beach, and you know that's in the coastal zone, so I'm expecting when they actually start building to see the plans discussed. Let's discuss Caltrans. This is California's Department of Transportation. Their function is to manage more than 50,000 miles of California's highways and freeways, provide inner-city rail service, permit more than 400 public-use airports and special-use hospital heliports, and work with local agencies. Let's just clarify quickly what you said. You said inner-city. They actually do inter-city. So um, whereas L.A. Metro, for example, will do stuff in L.A. County, right, if we're talking about the coastal routes that are across counties, the coaster and things like that, along Amtrak, those fall under the jurisdiction of Caltrain. Yeah, so like one that would probably fall under it would be the high-speed rail. When it gets finished, there's a separate, and people confuse this, there's a separate authority that is actually planning the route and construction of the high-speed rail. Caltrans will probably get involved once it starts operating, although it could be like the Golden Gate uh, Transportation Agency or whatever, Golden Gate Bridge Authority, and it will stay under the high-speed rail authority. We don't know yet. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see, though, when that when that starts to get finished with the first segment, what will happen. Anyways, uh, Caltrans is involved in six primary programs, aeronautics, highway transportation, mass transportation, transportation planning, administration, and the Equipment Service Center. So digging into the history of Caltrans, in 1895, the Bureau of Highways was created. In 1896, the Department of Highways was created, so it superseded the earlier division. 1907, the Division of Highways within the Department of Engineering was created. So there were seven original divisions. So the Division of Highways is basically what eventually evolved into Caltrans, but I'll kind of get more into that as we go. Anyway, there was seven original divisions. Division one was based in Willits to serve Del Norte, Humboldt, Lake, and Mendocino counties. Division two was based in Redding. So this service Lassen, Modoc, Shasta, Siskiyou, Tehama, and Trinity. You have division three, which is based in Sacramento. This was Alpine, Amador, Butte, Calaveras, Calusa, El Dorado, Glen, Nevada, Placer, Sacramento, San Joaquin, Sierra, Solano, Stanislaus, Sutter, Tuolumne, Yolo, and Yuba counties. Division 4, which was based in San Francisco, this is Alameda, Contra Costa, Marin, Napa, San Francisco, Santa Clara, Santa Cruz, San Mateo, and Sonoma counties. Division 5, which was based in San Luis Obispo, this service Monterey, San Benito, Santa Barbara, and San Luis Obispo counties. Division 6, which was based in Fresno, Fresno, Inyo, Kern, Kings, Madera, Mariposa, Merced, Mono, and Tulare counties. Division 7, which is based in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Ventura, Orange, Imperial, San Diego, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties. Now, note that now we have 12 divisions, so you'll see as we go on where the other divisions got created. In 1921, the Department of Engineering became the Department of Public Works, and three more divisions were created. Eight, which was based in San Bernardino, and that was Riverside and San Bernardino counties, and that came from District 7. Nine, which was headquartered in Bishop, which was eastern Kern County, the side of Kern County that was on the eastern side of the Sierras. Inyo, Mono, and this came from District 6, leaving District 6 with the Central Valley. And District 10, headquartered in Stockton, which was Alpine, Amador, Calaveras, Mariposa, Merced, 
San Joaquin, Stanislaw, and Tuolumne. This came from District 3, leaving District 3 with Sacramento to the Tahoe area. In 1933, the county roads were added to the state system. Remember, we talked about this in episode 1.03, which is when the state highway system really grew. And a new district was created, headquartered in San Diego, consisting of San Diego and Imperial County. This was cut again from District 7. So District 7 keeps getting made smaller and smaller. At this point, basically, District 7 is Ventura, Los Angeles, and Orange County. In 1967, the State Transportation Board was created to be the permanent advisory board on policy. In 1971, the Department of Transportation was was proposed. It was created in 1973, and then all the way as late as 1987, Caltrans District 12 was created consisting of Orange County because Orange County did not like Los Angeles County managing their roads. And we talked about this in the episode where we had the interview with the fellow from, he's now in, I want to say, slower Monterey County, but used to, excuse me, used to work in Orange County. So, Tom, we've talked a bit now about what Caltrans is. Do you have any observations on Caltrans as an agency and its history from what you've studied? It's kind of interesting now, um, because I, I read the California Highways and Public Works quite a bit, and they end up on Gribble Nation. It's interesting to see the transition from like the heyday of the division of highways, where it was 100% focused on highways to kind of what is is now is kind of like a multifaceted transit transportation agency where like you get like things like Amtrak involved in aeronautics um and it's kind of it's not a unique to California thing like I think most department of transportation in most states have kind of moved towards like not just being all highways they kind of consolidated everything so it's it all kind of happened around the same time or like in the early 70s throughout the United States is what I tend to notice. But, um, uh, yeah, for the most part, I think Caltrans actually does a pretty good job. I've been out of the state a lot this year, so it's kind of interesting to go back to places I used to live, like Arizona, and just, like, look at the surfacing quality surfacing quality of, like, that rubberized asphalt just coming apart everywhere, or, like, Florida, where everything is, like, a time light and just incredibly tedious to get anywhere. I think we actually do, oh, I think Caltrans does a very good job managing everything, all things considered. They definitely do not deserve the flack that they kind of get in the road community, would be my opinion. And I think the evolution of Caltrans as to the focus on transportation reflects this move we've seen, and those of us who've worked in the government have seen this, away from stovepipes. We used to have Highway stovepiped into one agency and railroads stovepiped into one agency and airports and aeronautics in one agency. And we've now learned that we need to take an enterprise view that what we do with one modality of transportation impacts other modalities. We can get people off the road just as effectively with transit and save the money to build roads. And that's one thing Caltrans is doing now especially as we've learned about induced demand and the fact that widening roads is only a temporary fix. And we need to think about longer-term fixes. And um, the focus on transportation, I think, reflects that enterprise view of transportation. Now we're going to hit on the regional transportation planning agencies. Prior to 1969, most highway planning was done at the state level. 
Negotiations were done with cities. A regional view looking at regional needs was secondary. So basically, this is state-centric. Uh, 1972, Assembly Bill 69 created Caltrans, established the requirement for preparation and administration of state and regional transportation plans. This is what we know as RTPs under this law. Each regional transportation planning agency, which is RTPA, is required to prepare and adopt an RTP with coordinated and balanced transportation systems in consistent with regional needs and goals. In 1978, the creation of the California Transportation Commission brought us the STIP. STIP required input from local and regional government entities. In 1997, the Transportation Funding Act, so this was SB 45, mandates major reform in transportation planning, funding, and development. State Transportation Improvement Program, STIP, is overhauled to provide for greater regional choice, with 75% of the program's funds to be divided by formula among the regions. Periodically, each RTPA selects projects to be funded from the STIP share and lists them in the Regional Transportation Improvement Program. So this is an RTIP. Every RTIP adopted by a local agency must be consistent with the representative RTP. Now, we're dealing with the government, so we've got loads of acronyms (laughs) here. Uh, Those of us who work with the government are used to them. Um, Other folks may not be. The one thing I want to observe um, is that, and this was this has been discussed on AA Roads quite a bit, that we see a shift here with the Regional Transportation Planning Agency from a state-centric view to a regional-centric view. And regions have different priorities so that some regions will really be focused on highways. And that's something you'll often see in some of the northern parts of the state. So if we were to look at Del Norte and Humboldt, these are focused really on their major highways, and that's where their focus is, because they don't have major cities. In the regions with major cities, District 4 and the regions around the Santa Clara area in Los Angeles, you have a much more greater focus in the transportation planning on the transit and on active transportation. And this influences where they want to spend their money. Now, there are a number of different types of transportation agencies, and we're going to be listing a whole batch of them here. So there are the regional transportation planning or authorities. These are county or multi-county entities that meet state transportation planning and programming requirements. There are metropolitan planning organizations, which are basically regional things that are designated at the federal level, and usually they're in the larger urbanized areas. And most MPOs, Metropolitan Planning Organizations, are RTPAs, those regional transportation organizations. Then there are transportation commissions and congestion management agencies that we see um, in um, loads of counties. These are within multi-county MPOs, and they provide an even more local focus. They also manage any county-raised sales tax revenue. Lastly, there are transit agencies, which are they're the ones who operate the buses and other forms of transit. So what are some of these agencies? If we're talking about non-MPO rural regional transportation agencies, we've got them in things like Del Norte, Humboldt, CAG, uh, Council, um, I forget what CA, the Council of Associated Governments, I believe, Mendocino COG, which is the Council of Governments, Trinity, Tahama, Glen, Calusa, Siskiyou, Modoc, all transportation commissions, 
Lassen, Plumas, Sierra, Nevada, Amador, Alpine, Calaveras, Tuolumne, Mariposa, Manio, Inyo. Generally, these are rural counties, not a lot of people, not a lot of major urban areas. We also have single county MPOs. So you'll see these in things like Shasta, the Regional Transportation Planning Agency, Butte, San Joaquin, Stanislaw, Merced, Madera. There is a Council of Fresno County Governments, which I'm going to guess brings in all the cities in Fresno County. There is a Kings County one, Kern, Slow, Santa Barbara, and one you'll often see mentioned on my pages when we talk about Route 5, SDAG, which is the San Diego Association of Government. Then there are combined entities. So we have the Association of Monterey Bay Governments, which brings together Santa Cruz, San Benito, and the Transportation Agency for Monterey County. We have a Sacramento area, COG, which brings together Sacramento, Sutter, Yuba, and Yolo, and to some extent Placer and El Dorado, but they have separate RTPA status in some areas. And then there's one up in Tahoe. There's both the Regional Planning Agency and a Metropolitan Planning Organization. Then there are some even bigger combined entities. So down here in Southern California, where I am, we have what's called SCAG, which is the Southern California Association of Governments. This brings together LA Metro, the Orange County Transportation Committee, OCTA, um, the Ventura County Transportation Commission, BCTC, the Riverside County Transportation Commission, RCTC, and the San Bernardino CTC. And up in the Bay Area, you have the Metropolitan Transportation Commission, which actually, if you don't follow them, they put out a daily digest of highway headlines and transportation-related headlines, which is really good. And they cover all the Bay Area counties, Santa Clara, San Mateo, Contra Costa, San Francisco, Marin, Napa, Sonoma, Solano, and Alameda. So why did we list all of these? If you look at any funding document, you'll see these referenced. Many projects these days are done at the regional level, and the CTC just says, region, manage your money, and report to us. And so knowing your regional regional organizations, that's where you give your input. If you want to change things, if you want to change what roads are built in your area, what things are improved, what things are widened, start with your regional organization. Go to their meetings, submit comments. When looking for information on projects, you check the Caltrans website, you check the regional organization websites, you check the county public work websites. All of them manage highway projects at different levels. Moving on to AASHTO, standard setting body that publishes specifications, test protocols, and guidelines that are used in highway design and construction throughout the United States. They were founded in 1914 as AASHTO, uh, but in 1973 it was broadened to include all transportation. So you kind of see the theme of the 1970s kind of encompassing all forms of transportation. Wasn't that when the um, highway department moved out of the federal public works area and the Department of Transportation was created? I believe so. Yeah. So it's kind of theming that like everything in the 19, early 1970s is kind of evolving to involve all forms of transportation instead of just highways. In addition to standards, AASHTO coordinates the numbering of the interstate highways, U.S. highways, and U.S. bicycle routes. Now, I did not do a lot of research on the information on AASHTO. Tom has been actually doing a lot of research into the AASHTO archives, which are out there. Do you want to describe some of that, Tom? It's basically, so what AASHTO does as far as numbering goes, uh, it 
they they meet like in an executive committee, which usually has representatives from like a department of transportation from every state. Uh, it doesn't seem like every state shows up to every one of these meetings, but basically kind of as a group, they'll look at applications for like extensions, deletions of U.S. routes, interstates, or U.S. bike routes and decide whether or not to approve them. This can include things like uh, interstate business routes, U.S. business routes. Um, like they're mainly concerned with like with the U.S. routes, like kind of control cities along a route. So like some states kind of have some leeway to kind of adjust the alignment if like they build a better routing. The interstates, uh, this kind of goes you're not going to get an interstate number unless it meets interstate design. That's more because of the Federal Highway Administration because then AASHTO. Business routes tend to be kind of all over the place. And the U.S. bike routes is kind of a new phenomenon. Uh, it kind of seems like if there's any kind of decent r- through route for bicycles, uh, AASHTO will approve it if states want to pursue it. But it's very similar to the standard U.S. route program. I'll note um, I have a friend who's bicycling bicycling from pier to pier, um, from the Santa Monica pier to the steel pier. He's currently in Missouri as we're recording this. And he's following some website that advises bicyclists what to follow. And I haven't heard him mention yet going across one of these bicycle routes. Yeah, the, the place that I've noticed or the state I've noticed where they're best signed is Utah for whatever reason. Like they're very good at signing them. But Tom has done a lot of research into when submissions occur to AASHTO, when they reject things, um, why things are numbered. And I'll try and put a link to their archive here uh, when I do the show notes. And you can go and look basically at all their minutes and all the submissions. Anything else you want to add on AASHTO, Tom? So one that I want to say regarding Ashto, regarding their database, one that I thought was really surprising that it was just sitting there in the database, honestly, was the early history of the endpoint of US-66 in Los Angeles and how unclean and just all over the place that was. Like, that's the perfect example. If you really want to get a firm understanding of how, like, especially early US routes were aligned typically, um, and how they were basically just based in control points, that is like the perfect example. It is not the simplistic story that we've all been led to believe. It's way more complicated, in my opinion, way more interesting than I ever thought it would be. And Tom has some really good pages that explore that. Next time on California Highways Route by Route, this ends the first season of the podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. We're going to take a little break and incorporate some planning lessons learned into this next season. So what happens next season? We're going to start going route by route through every state highway. Season season two will have 10 episodes on Route 1 and two episodes on Route 2. Take this break to listen to the back catalog. Sorry, I read that one. Take this break to listen to our back catalog and join us in a few months when we resume this journey. I'm hoping to be able to start things up maybe in September or October. For more information, as always, visit the highway numbering section over on cahighways.org. We'll see if we can figure out any appropriate Gribble Nation blogs to link to this. Maybe the one on interstate numbering will work. Um, I'll put a number of links to these various organizations on the show page um, at caroutbyroute.org. And, of course, if we mention any individual routes, you'll find the details on those on the specific route pages on cahighways.org and gribblenation.org. 
Some closing lines. As always, information on this episode is available on our website, caroutebyroute.org, where you can also leave us a comment on this episode. This episode is available on our anchor.fm home, anchor.fm forward slash caroutebyroute. Join us as we continue to explore California highways route by route. Some credits. This episode was written by Daniel Fagan and Tom Beer, edited and produced by Daniel Fagan. Our opening theme is I'd Like to Be By the Seaside by John H. Leverkind. If you've got an opening theme or some music that you think might be good for our show and is, and is either in the public domain or you're willing to let us use, let me know at daniel at org. We record our episodes using freeconferencecall.com. This podcast is a product of California Highways at cahighways.org and Gribble Nation at gribblenation.org. This is normally the point where we do any closing thoughts. I like to think of it as this is the end credit sequence that you only get if you wait till the end. So any final thoughts on either the organizations of state highways or our first season, Tom? I, I think we kind of gave everyone who's listening kind of a really good oversight, kind of the history of how everything's evolved until now related to our state highway system and how it's not Strictly about just highways anymore is kind of about all transportation. But I think we've also, through the course of every episode, kind of given an overview of why that is, why things kind of end, changed the way it did towards the end of the 20th century, kind of evolving into how they are now. I know I've learned a lot doing this podcast. Um, those who have listened through the episodes have seen me learn a lot about audio editing as I worked my way through. Hopefully I've gotten better, and I beg your indulgence on some of the earlier episodes, which were a little bit overproduced. I've learned I don't need to edit out every uh and pause and breath. Um, I still edit out the various creaks so that if I touch my keyboard, you'll hear sometimes hear a loud noise. Uh, those I still edit out. But I think our season on the whole has really done a good job of laying the foundation of what the state highway system is. And now I'm looking forward to going into the highways, talking about the history. Um, you know, when, when I start writing Route 1 saying, what is Route 1 in your state? What was the first route built? What was legislative Route 1? What are the pieces of Route 1? And how has this history shaped things? Um, including the fact that, for example, what we call Route 1 in Southern California wasn't originally part of Route 1. It, for a while, was signed Route 3, and then was later US 101A. And so we'll cover all these details as we work up through what is now Route 1. And there's a lot of history in that numbering and how things have changed. And I think there are a lot of interesting stories as we go to the cities along the routes. And with that, we will close Season 1. And we will look forward to seeing you, so to speak, um, in a few months when we start up season two.